You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So I do want to say hello to Olathe. Hey guys out there, hello to our venue in Over in the Park, hello auditorium. And to those of you online, wherever you're joining us, we're glad to have you here with us. Um, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you want to join us, 1 Peter chapter 4. Our ushers have Bibles in all locations. And if you can raise your hand, you can either borrow one or any week you want or keep one as our church's gift to you, 1 Peter 4. So we are in week 4 of a series on spiritual gifts. In week one of our entrusted series on spiritual gifts, we talked about the secret to spiritual gifts. So spiritual gifts are these some, some 20 to 25 different supernatural, they're spiritual abilities that God gives his church, each of you, to actually change people's lives. There's different gifts given to different people. The secret we talked about in week one. In week two, we talked about understanding spiritual gifts. Like what are these? Why did God give them? We talked about that in week two. Week three was discovering our spiritual gifts. So we don't get all of them. We get our own unique set, our own four or five primary spiritual gifts. Do you know which spiritual gifts you've received if you receive Jesus as Savior? We talked about that last week. This week, we're talking about actually using, engaging our spiritual gifts, and you discover them naturally in the process of following Jesus. But are you engaging your spiritual gifts to see people's lives changed. God wants to use you to see people's lives changed. And so I want to share a text message and an email I started sending out 9.30 in the morning on Saturday morning. And it's a prayer request. I sent my family. I sent my grace group. I sent leaders at grace. Uh, I emailed to our staff. Here's what I wrote, 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning. Hey, guys, if you could pause and pray for the unengaged weekend worshipers this weekend to finally engage, surrender, and use their spiritual gifts. So if you're, if you're a part of the Grace Church community and you're not serving, yes, I was praying for you. I was talking about you behind your back to God. He says this. This is prompted in part by God using the message this weekend. I really appreciate your prayers. This message I wrote has been oddly difficult to write. I worked on all day yesterday, which was Friday, writing and timing and rewriting. It was painfully painfully slow. And I had this nagging feeling all week that this message I have is not quite what I think God wants people to hear. So I woke up at 4.30 this morning, Saturday morning, with two thoughts. Number one, God might want to rewrite this message. And number two, that means chucking what was worked on all week long. Not sure what God is doing, but I'm walking right now. I was prayer walking, walking and praying and listening to God. I could use your prayers. So I sent that yesterday, and I did, I did continue my prayer walk. I, went, I mean, I walked for like three hours trying to talk and listen and write down things. And it was a weird combo of feeling of excitement and, oh, no, all that work gone, right? So it's, it's two feelings going on. But uh, I wrote down, here's what we're going to cover today. Uh, it, there was major overhaul Saturday afternoon based on that. Thank you, God, for that. Wish you could tell me earlier. But... Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to be in 1 Peter 4, verse 7 to 11. Uh, five verses. We're going to cover three things Peter talks about. First of all, our relationship with God. Secondly, 
our relationship with other people in the church. And third, our relationship to our spiritual gifts. God, other people in the church, our spiritual gifts, exactly in the order Peter covers it. So let's go ahead and pray. We're talking about engaging. Are you engaging? Are you using your spiritual gifts to change people's lives as God designed you? Let's pray. Lord, I beg you. Uh, this, is a, this was a tough week, uh, just wrestling with this topic, trying to hear you. I, I thank you. I do feel peace now that this is what you wanted people to hear. And so I pray that you would use it. This is the moment we just surrender to you fully. We listen to you, all of us. We want to obey you, whatever prompting you have. Help us to see what Peter's writing, what you're inspiring him to write, the words of God. Help us to reflect, have the Spirit come, make this come alive in our souls. If somebody does not have spiritual gifts because they've not yet surrendered to Jesus, I pray it would click. I pray today they would get it. The Spirit would call them, draw them, prompt them to surrender everything to Jesus, the risen Savior. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, so the first thing we're going to see Peter discuss in 1 Peter 4 is our relationship with God. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Question number one, ask yourself, am I engaging with God in my prayer life? Okay, am I really fully, at certain points, engaging with God in my prayer life? How has your prayer life been with God in engagement the last two weeks? Are you carving out time for just you and him? Are you talking to God? Are you asking certain specific things for him to do? Are you watching in life, reflecting? I think God is like doing micro answers. There's progress in this. Are you thanking God? Are you opening yourself up in that moment to listen to God? Guys, this is huge. It's incredibly important. It's important for your spiritual gifts. So you can't use your spiritual gifts without a connection to God. Here's a picture of a lamp, by the way. We're all like lamps. So God designs us with spiritual gifts, the ability to shine the light. But until you plug the lamp into the power source, there's no light. And until you plug us into the power source, God, there is no light. So we need it for our spiritual gifts to have this engagement with God. It's also important to God's heart. You realize our dad gets joy when we dial up our dad. So uh, this week, last couple of weeks, Jacob and I have been calling. He's my son at the University of Oklahoma, a freshman, calling back and forth. I can tell you this. When my son dials up his dad and I see the caller ID, Jacob, I can't describe the joy I have. Joy. In fact, after one phone call this, uh, this past week, um, I literally, I've been praying for certain very specific things, a number of things, probably five to seven things I'm praying for him, but one of them like answered very specifically in this phone call. And I literally, after the phone call, I cried with joy for 20 minutes because I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. You realize what it feels like when you dial up your dad? When God goes, my daughter's calling. My son is calling. When you dial up your dad, you need to talk to God just because you bring him joy for that alone. 1 Peter 4, 7 talks about that. 1 Peter 4, 7 says this. About, being pray, about praying and being watchful for him to answer. But the end of all things is at hand. So even back then, Peter was writing that Jesus could return at any moment. He will return, but it's at any moment. Therefore, he says, because of that, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Why would you be serious about prayers? It's the most powerful thing you do. 
So in my summertime, I usually clump together four weeks of paid time off, paid vacation. I just take them together in the summer. I got revival spiritually in my paid time off this summer in the area of prayer. And I've seen God answer prayer after prayer after prayer. Very specific things for a variety of things. It's exciting. It reminded me. It's the most powerful thing I do. So you got to be serious about it. Like, this is how you change the world. It's the hand of God that moves people and being watchful. you got to watch for answers. It's why having a prayer list with, with prayer requests down helps you not forget you asked something. So when you look at it again, you're like, I asked God for that. And you write that. You're watching for God to answer. How do you do that? Well, 15 minutes a day. Here's my challenge to everybody. 15 minutes a day with God. You get it done four, three, four, five times a week. That's awesome. But 15 minutes a day with God, once you dial up your dad, here's what you do. You, take, you, know, you get a document on your phone or whatever. Mine's on my phone. Paper document's great. So you take it, you write a short prayer list. I mean a short prayer list. First prayer is always a prayer what God's doing in your soul. I have on my list, help me God to listen to you better. So I'm asking God to help me these days. Just listen better. Then I'm praying for certain specific things, for my wife, my kids, for you, uh, for my career, those kinds of things, what's going on. Praying for those things, and I watch. And when you see answers, you write it down. Okay, yesterday, what that date was, I write the date down and what actually happened. little micro answer. And then you read the Bible. You say, I don't know where to read the Bible. Well, start in New Testament, Matthew. Go to the end, start over, one chapter a day. Or you can read with me, uh, visitgracechurch.com slash Bible. We're reading together. But you read your one chapter, put the chapter down, you read the chapter, write down what you don't understand. I don't understand this. What does this word mean? I don't understand this. You write down what you learned or reminded. Oh, I was reminded of this. You write down one thing that got, you could do today. What could you do today with what you read? I could do this. That's your 15 minutes with God. Here's the thing. Your spiritual gifts need you to, dial, to actually plug in the lamp to the power source God. You need to dial up your dad simply to bring your dad joy. My daughter, my son is calling me. I am desperate for our church, everybody. Just start 15 minutes with God. Dial up your dad. All right. Peter then goes on from our prayer, prayer engagement with God to our relationship with other people in the church. And so here's the question to ask yourself now. Am I opening my heart and home to other people in my church? Just ask yourself that question. Be honest. Over the last month, are you opening up your heart and home to other people in the church? So let's see these people. Wherever you're at in all the venues, put your head on a swivel. I'm going to do it too. Look around and look at some of these people around you. Okay, there's those people. Come on, put your head on a swivel. Join me. You got to engage. You're thinking, this is some, we're some weird people here. I get it. Well, that's what I'm thinking about you. There's some weird people here. Over the last month or so, have you been critical of other people in the church or caring? Have you been forgiving of people or holding a grudge? Over the last month, have you had anybody of these other people from the church over to your apartment or house to get to know them? You say, I've done none of that. Well, forget the past. Fresh start today, my friend. Fresh start. God, forgive me. Fresh start today. This is so important for you to engage with other people in the church. First of all, for your spiritual gifts. There's no using it without healthy engagement with other people. We're like a body. If this part likes their spiritual gifts, this part likes their spiritual gifts, but this part, this relationship is not good, well, there's no progress. Let's not kid ourselves. We need unity and love and forgiveness in our body to actually use our spiritual gifts. We know when we dial up our dad, one of the great joys of our dad is looking down, seeing his kids get along, seeing his kids forgive each other, seeing his kids love each other. What parent would not like their kids to 
work well, play well, so live life together well. Our dad, when you dial him up, values us opening our heart and homes to each other. And so Paul talk, or Peter talks about that. 1 Peter 4, 8 talks about loving and forgiving others, other people in the church. 1 Peter 4, 8. And above all things, okay, Peter's about to say this is the most important command from God he's going to give us in the entire book of five chapters. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Yeah, for those people and for those people. For love will cover, there's forgiveness, love will cover a multitude, many sins. So he talks about forgiving and loving other people in the church. You say, well, I can't forgive them, or at least I forgive them, I can't get past that. What do I do? If you can't get past, you can't get free, you thought you forgave somebody, but you can't get free, what do you do? Write down Matthew 5.44, Matthew 5.44. You put them on your short prayer list. You put their name, but they hurt me so bad, I get that. Pray for them. Well, they don't even feel bad about it. Doesn't matter. Bless them. Literally, you pray this. Oh, God, that person who hates me, who still abuses me, I pray you pour out your blessing upon them. I pray you just do great things in their life. I pray the gospel would come. You bless them physically and financially, relationally. Jesus said, love and pray for your enemies. That's how you get past it. That's how you get past it. Peter then talks about opening your house or your apartment up and hosting people in your apartment or house. Verse 9. Be hospitable to one another. You know, these people. Without grumbling. Okay, you say, well, I can't do that. I don't even know these people. I don't know them. I don't know them. Be hospitable. Well, that's actually the definition of hospitality. The word hospitality in Greek is a combination of two words. Love strangers. Okay, that's what hospitality is. Of course you don't know them yet. That's hospitality. You say, well, they're strange. I get it. You need to love strangers. That's how you get to know them. I can hear it right now. I can hear the grumbling. My apartment isn't big enough. My house isn't nice enough. All these kind of things. I got my schedules too packed. I get it. You realize in the Greek, being hospitable without, to one another without grumbling literally means Stop grumbling. It means stop the grumbling and the complaining and love strangers. One of the best ways you do this is either join a grace group or launch a grace group. Start one. Here's a picture of a grace group. This looks very similar to my grace group, except for the fact that nobody brings a paper Bible. We all use our phone Bibles, including me. How big is a grace group? Well, it could be one-on-one. Two guys meeting in a coffee shop every other week. That's a grace group. We're going to grow with each other. We're going to do two guys, one-on-one, grow, equip each other, talk about leadership, the Bible, life. That's a grace group. It could be up to 12, 13, 14 people. You can't get beyond like 14 people. Why? Because at 15, your introverts stop talking. And you need a small enough, the introverts actually talk. What do you do in a grace group? Well, I'll tell you what my grace group does. We rotate the, fairly rotate it around to households, four households in this. It's awesome to rotate if you host, you bring the food, you make the food. And it's awesome because once a month, my house is clean. It's awesome. Once a month, I'm jamming stuff into the closets, taking it to the bedrooms, wiping things. It's awesome once a month. And so what do you do when you do go to a grace group? Well, we show up together. I got some food set out. 
man, we catch up on life, what's been going on, we eat together, we then study the Bible together, then we pray for each other, we set up our next meeting, we talk about life in between meetings. I'm te- I got a note, I'm going to text my group twice a week, every single week, we had a group text, hey, I'm praying for this, I'm thinking about this, hey, pray for me, what's going on, some interaction going on. It's what Jesus did. I am desperate for you to live life like Jesus did. He had a group, a small group of 13 guys. Twelve of them, he personally handpicked. Not anybody can get in that group. He invited them personally. That's how he started his group. One of our leaders named Kent emailed me some thoughts from his grace group, who just happens to be studying spiritual gifts. And he made this comment about his grace group. He's a new grace group leader. He wrote this. Several months ago, my wife and I made the transition into establishing a new grace group. Our old grace group graciously sent us out as, as our group, covered in prayer. By the way, that is the win of a grace group. At some point, your grace group will keel over, look in, and die if you don't send out group planters. That's the win. Group, new group planters. And so, he wrote this. Well, this new group, we, spent t- we made the choice to spend time together each week. We interacted in life. We sharpened each other. We encouraged each other in our walk with God. We helped each other impact other people. We naturally grew in trust. For us, group involvement equates to being engaged. It's more than just showing up. And I, guys, I am desperate for you. It's what Jesus did. He changed the world. Yeah, he fed the 5,000. Amazing story. He invested in 12. That's what he did. And that's how he changed the world. And he busted up his group, sent them out two by two, so his one group, became six groups. That's how he changed the world. He sent out group planters. At our Overland Park campus, if you want to explore a grace group, we just had a group link event Friday night. 120 new people connected in 10 brand new grace groups. You want in on that action? This is the time to do that. Go out to the Connection Center across the lobby and say, this is the time. These people don't know each other. There's no connections yet. You go, hey, can I maybe be a part of one of these grace groups that are starting perfect time to explore that. If you're in Olathe, there's a group link event after the services. Go out, meet these brand new leaders. This is how you actually get engaged with a brand new group. I am desperate for you to live out love, Peter talked about, forgiveness, hospitality. All right, so we talked about our relationship with God, prayers, with other people in the church, love, forgiveness, hospitality. And then he finally gets to our relationship with our gifts. Here's the question to ask yourself. Am I obeying? Okay, we should just stop right there. Like that's all that God looks for. That's all he cares about. You in faith obeying. How do you hear from God? Well, first of all, you can hear him from the Bible. So he's concerned that when you see something God says, you actually do it. Even if you don't like it, that's obeying. Or God speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. How does he speak to you? Sometimes it's a little nudge. That thought you have in your head, that's not you. That pinprick of prompting is not you. That prompting is not you. That's the Spirit of God. And whether you see the Bible clearly or feel that pinprick, you can blow it off or obey God. That is the Christian life. Obeying God, obeying the prompting of God. Here's the question. Am I obeying God by using His gifts as He wants Ask yourself, am I, am I being, up, being God? God gave me things using his gifts if he wants. Let's talk about your, your time, first of all. God entrusted you with his time. It is not your time. It's God's time. 
He gives us all the same amount of that resource every single day. You don't have how much time you have left, but it's all his time. You don't have the ability, because it's not your time, to just commit to things willy-nilly on your schedule without consulting, eventually, the one who owns your time. It's not your time, it's his time. Are you being a good steward of that? How about your money? Let's talk about your money. God has entrusted you with your money. Do you think you own anything? Your, your net worth is zero. I got 10 million in the bank. No, no, no. God has 10 million in the bank. You have zero. And I have zero. I got $100 to my name. Well, that's God's $100. It is not yours. God, it's God's money. It's not your money. He could take it all away. He could give you more of it. It is not. You can't just spend money like you want to or not consult, not choose not to give like God says. What are you talking about? It's not your money. It's God's money. How about your spiritual gifts? God has handed you spiritual gifts the day you received Jesus. They're not your gifts. They're his gifts. Are you using his gifts the way he wants? These are keys to unlock the power of God in people's lives. It's not your choice. Are you kidding me? To not use your spiritual gifts. Why? Because you're overcommitted on the calendar. You didn't consult him with anyway. It is not your choice. It is his gift to change people's lives. And so God wants to give you a fresh start today. You may be like, oh man, I've not done well. Forget the past. Who cares? Oh, God, forgive me. Start brand new today. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 talks about that. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says this. As each one has received a gift. Well, certainly your calendar's a gift. Same amount for everybody. Money's a gift. Different amounts for everybody. Your spiritual gift, different set. Minister it to one another as good stewards. There's a key phrase. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So God's heart is we're good stewards. So what's a steward? If you lived 2,000 years ago, everybody's business was a home business. Your home and business were united. If you got wealthy enough, you would hire a chief of staff. That chief of staff was called the steward. Imagine you doing this 2,000 years ago to run your business. You hand them every key to every uh, house and car you have. Here you go. That was your steward. You give them control, your PIN number to your debit card. You give them your credit card. You give them your account access to every investment you have. They're your steward. You hand them your schedule. You're going to control my schedule now. They're your steward, a chief of staff. The steward didn't own anything. Not theirs, not theirs, not theirs. You hired a steward. So imagine yourself 2,000 years ago. Your business is growing this home-based business. You need to hire a chief of staff. You need to hire a steward. Here's the question. Yeah, what type of person would I entrust? If you had to hire somebody, who would you entrust with every key to everything you have? Every key. The entire portfolio. They've got total access. And your entire schedule, every contact you have. Who would you entrust? Well, you would trust a good steward. What's a good steward? A good steward has the right perspective. The right perspective. They're not confused. They know their calendar's not theirs. They know that money is yours. It's not theirs. And they know the keys. All that stuff is not, not their car, not their house. It's not theirs. They have the right perspective. What would you hire? You'd hire somebody who's a good steward. They make good decisions. Make good decisions. Because good stewards ask the owner what the owner wants to do with the owner's stuff. They just don't decide what to do, whatever they want to do. They consult the owner with the gifts, the money, the time. They're, they're good decisions. A good steward is highly trustworthy. Seriously, you would not give the control over to somebody you did not trust. You've entrusted them with these things. By the way, many of you, you really are good stewards. You are. I see it. I celebrate it. Because guess what? You know your calendar is not yours. It's God's time. 
It's not your time. You know your money is, it's not yours. It's God's money. Your net worth, my friend, is zero, and you know it. It's all God's money. You know your gifts are not yours. God gave them. God wants to use them. You're a good steward. What's a poor steward? What's somebody you would not hire 2,000 years ago with your business? Will you not hire a poor steward? They got the wrong perspective. They think their money's theirs. Are they nuts? Their net worth is zero. They think their calendar is theirs. Their contacts are theirs. They can just decide to do what they want to do. No, they can't. They think access to all these keys, they're theirs. You're borrowing them. You're the owner. They're poor steward. Are they a poor steward? Well, they have poor decision-making. They do whatever they, whatever they feel like, whatever they feel like. Okay, if I feel good, here's the decision-making process, most people. Well, I feel right. So if I, if I feel right, then God must like that. That's a poor steward. You don't go based on your feelings. A poor steward is not trustworthy. Not trustworthy. They don't do what they're asked. You know, if you, you ask them to do something, they're just going, well, it's kind of my stuff anyway. So here's the reality. Some of us are poor stewards. Because we think that our gifts are ours, our money is ours, we think our time is ours. We don't consult God who owns all these things. And when we finally figure out what he wants to do, we just don't do it. Those, my friends, are poor stewards. Maybe you're a poor steward. The past is the past. You can start being a good steward today. Forget the past. Who cares about the past? Ask God to forgive you. It's a new day, my friends. 1 Peter 4.11 talks about that. The two types of spiritual gifts. The speaking gifts and serving gifts, all the gifts are organized into two types, speaking and serving. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers or serves, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. What are the speaking gifts? You might have the spiritual gift of teaching or prophecy or evangelism or encouragement or word of wisdom. If you do, make sure your words are consistent with the Bible. Making sure, you, even if you don't like what it says, you don't want to believe what it says, you are consistent with what it says. And if you have serving gifts, like helps, administration, leadership, a service, giving, you do it with all of the opportunity and ability you have. Opportunity, do you have the opportunity? Ability, with that ability, you do it with everything you have in that. Why do you do that? First Peter 4.11. Because God owns everything. And you want him to be glorified. That in all things... God may be glorified. I mean, he's, his name spreads. More people know about Jesus. Credit goes to him through Jesus Christ. To whom belong? He is the owner. These things belong to him. Belong to glory, the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I got one announcement and one encouragement for you. One announcement. Many of you know that last year we embarked on a prayerful journey to launch 100 new churches and sites over the next 20 years. Well, a year's gone by. We're getting down to 19 to go. Back in February, we sent out Kent Lyles to be our first church planter, but he was doing a site of Grace Church in Olathe. And as part of that process, um, I handed him this piece of gravel, or a piece of gravel, and I said, Kent, church planting is like this piece of gravel. And I stole this from somebody. I can't remember who it was, but it's good stuff. I said, church planting is like gravel. Okay, you're about to embark on something that is smaller than you think. It is harder than you think. It is rougher than you think. And many people will not see the value in what you're doing. But statistically, more disciples are made with new churches and new sites. You're making new disciples. God's kingdom is expanding. So that was, a, it was uh, back in February. So I'm excited to announce that we have a new church planter, this time of an independent church in Lee Summit. This is Shannon Zabruski. 
And many of you know that, uh, actually, it was, this is him, his wife, Holly, his kids, Trinity, Corbin, and Shiloh. It's going to be a full year of preparation. He's not going anywhere for a year until September of 2018. And he's transitioning out immediately out of his role as Grace Group's director, transitioning into his new role as our church planting resident on staff, a year of training and preparation. We're looking to hire now a new Grace Groups and Discipleship Director. You're going to hear more details about the Lee Summit plant probably in the spring when there's an actual meeting to go to. But we're going to send him out in a year, and I think I caught him in the mailroom. And I pulled out a piece of gravel, and I said, Shannon, church planting is like this piece of gravel. I said, church planting is smaller than you think. It is harder than you can fathom right now. It is rougher than you can imagine. And it's, it's a step down career-wise. Let's be honest. It is. And people are not going to see the value. But Lee Summit will have lives changed. Disciples will be made. You'll mobilize the body of Christ at that. I'm so excited. G- give God a hand. I'm pumped about this moment for next year. All right. So one more email. This is an encouragement to you. I got a friend of mine named Bob who from time to time tells me what to preach here. He is awesome. So he heard my prayer request and he told me, he sent me an email. Here's what I should preach on. So I thought I would just read it to you. He said, here's what you should preach on. Use your gifts. Time is short. I think that's what you need to preach on, in my opinion. This morning, that was Saturday morning at 5.30 a.m., a friend of mine in Illinois, a relative, embittered, estranged, alcoholic, a man who wanted no part of God, he died. And maybe if I approach the faith differently, maybe he have a better shot, but time is short. That just came to mind. And guys, he's right. You got to use your gifts. I am desperate for you to have a fresh start. Would you like to be today, be a good steward? Forget the past. Forget the past. It's gone. It's history. Who cares? God, forgive me. Truly ask forgiveness. Boom. Let's talk about your calendar. Is God the God of your time? You say, I'm way overscheduled. I get that. Have you ever actually prayed over your calendar? Here's what your assignment is to do it this week. You're way overscheduled. You go to God. You say, God, uh, you dial up your dad. Dad, this thing is nuts. I need your help. This is crazy. What do I do with my calendar? I guess what your dad does like, oh. You dialed him up, and does he have ideas for you? You just got to listen. And so you pray over your calendar. You look at your, you look at your Monday. God, any ideas? Tuesday. I'm open to myself. Wednesday. Thursday. Look over the next month or so. Guess what the Holy Spirit will do? It'll be a pinprick or a nudge or a prompting or a thought that hits your brain. And it's time for you to choose to blow them off or be obedient. God will help you with your calendar. Is he the God of your time? You can start today. What about your money? What do you do about your money? Well, the least generous people in history started at 10%. That was back in Genesis 14, Genesis 28. Write it down, Genesis 14, Genesis 28. You're you're going to be like the least generous people in the history of the world. You start at 10% of everything God gives you. You say, how do you do that? Well, do what I did years ago. So... I was a brand new engineer at Black and Veatch. I got my first check. And it was a two-week check. Never seen that much money with my name on it. I'm going to tithe. Not off the small number after taxes, after medical. The big number. And it's not rocket science. You move the decimal point. It's easy. So I got my checkbook out. I'm going to give a tithe check. I started to write my tithe check. And I thought, that's a lot of money. 
I'm going to give that to the church? Are you crazy? That's a lot of money. So I made the choice. Here's what you do. You ground yourself right there and you pray until you feel like giving. I promise you the Holy Spirit wants to help you. So I prayed, dear God, I'm angry with you. That's a lot of money. I'm going to give that much money to the church. Are you crazy? I've never seen that much money. God, forgive me. I know it's all yours. I'm sorry. I don't know what problem my heart is. It's all yours. I owe nothing. You own everything. God, please forgive me. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. And I felt better. Until I picked up my pen. I wrote the next digit. I said, that's a lot of money. Dear God, I'm angry again. Oh, forgive me, God. I'm angry. This is a lot of money. I'm going to write a check for that much money. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Oh, God, forgive me. It's all your money. Please forgive me. It's yours. It's an act of love, of worship, of surrender. I know you could take it away with a big tragedy tomorrow. I could lose my job tomorrow. God, it's all yours. You can give me more. Lord, it's yours. And I prayed until I felt better. It took me four or five times like that in that session to write a check and feel good. I grounded myself. It took six or seven times to do it over the course of time. And the first time I ever wrote the check and didn't get upset with God, I was waiting for the anger to flow in, the control issues. And I wrote an entire check and was generous. What had happened? I had grown spiritually. I didn't stay a baby spiritually. I grounded myself and prayed, and God grew me spiritually. That is your assignment, to start being, letting God be God of your finances. How about God of your, key, your keys, God of your spiritual gifts? He gave you those, these abilities, not just so you could build your career or your education or your life. He's blessed you with that to change other people. You do that in ministry. There's a ministry fair at Overland Park Right down the hallway, you make a right, they've got food, they've got swag, they've got people there to help you find what kinds of things you can get involved in. And you start experimenting. I want you to imagine, if you surrender to Jesus, imagine if all of us did this, how it would change this church and change the world. What if all of us did this? What if all of us answered this question? Am I engaging with God in my prayer life? Imagine a church where everybody takes 15 minutes with God every day to dial up their dad, to plug in the power, this world will be changed. What if every in our church, everybody, imagine a church where we open our hearts and homes. Am I opening my heart and home to other people in my church? Imagine a church where a wave of revival hits it. We're opening up our heart and homes. Everybody, imagine a church where everybody does that. What if everybody obeys God? Am I obeying God by using his gifts as he wants? Everybody's like, yes, my time is not mine. I consult God. My money is not mine. I consult God. My gifts are not mine. I consult God. Imagine a church where everybody goes to the good steward level. God goes, well done. Well done. I want to be part of a church like that where everybody is on board, where everybody is obeying God. And maybe this doesn't make sense to you because you need Jesus. You've got to surrender. Give your life to him and the Holy Spirit will begin helping you grow, follow. Let's pray. God, I pray, we have, I pray like crazy, this was an agonizing week. I pray like crazy right now that you would work in those who need to surrender areas of their lives to you. Lord, I imagine a church, I pray for a church where the reality of 1 Peter 4 is true for all of us and we're all fully obedient and surrendered to you. Dear God, help us. 
And if you've not yet surrendered your heart to Jesus, I'm just going to give you an opportunity right now to do so. In Romans it says, all those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And maybe you're searching for something, maybe you're seeking out something and you've not found it yet, and I'm telling you the answer is Jesus. And so right now, wherever you're at, just surrender your heart to Him. Give Him your life. Call on the name of the Lord. Call on Jesus to save you. Give your life to Him. And God, I pray that we would be at Grace Church, that we would be a people, like Tim said, we'd be a people that seeks you, that follows you, that obeys you no matter what, that we open our hearts and our homes, that we're having constant dialogue with you, we're praying with you. God, would you change our community so that we can change the world and point them to you, Jesus. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.